go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. This is Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. All right. And this is our Men in Black International episode. All right. We're going to talk about that news, all that good stuff. Take it away. Johnny. <laughs> all right. No disassemble. What kind of synopsis should we give? Like, if I was going to give a synopsis for Men in Black International off the top of my head, how would I say it? I would say... Why are you going <laughs> to see this sh- pile of shit? <laughs> Chick pursues Men in Black for her entire life because an alien visited her in her bedroom when she was a little kid. And uh, she gets in because she likes the way that Black looks on uh, Tessa, or on, on Emma Thompson. <laughs> She's Tessa Thompson. She likes Emma Thompson. All right. So the Men in Black have expanded to cover the globe, but so far... The villains of the universe. Why don't you reread that properly? I, God damn, it's like I'm doing trivia, huh? <laughs> the men in black have expanded to cover the globe, but so have the villains of the universe. To keep everyone safe, decorated Agent H and determined rookie M join forces, an unlikely pairing that just might work. When aliens that can take the form of any human arrive on Earth, H and M embark on a globe-trotting adventure to save the agency and ultimately the world from their mischievous plans. How many fucking movies do we have to see that end up in the desert this year? <laughs> John Wick, um, this one. Uh, Aquaman. Oh, oh, that was last year. Well, but yeah, but we saw it in the new year, I think. So, um, I, I don't know. There's got to be something else, too. I, I just can't think of what it is. It's trends, man. There's always these trends. And when was the Men in Black TV series? Uh I don't remember the cartoon. I I was already an adult by that time, so I was doing shit. So I never watched it. I forgot. I even forgot they had it. I remember I had the video game for the PS2, which was kind of fun. It was a fucking pain in the ass to play. I know there was a cartoon, but he said TV series. So I think yeah, with Men in Black the series, I believe was just the cartoon. Yeah. Oh yeah. It wasn't that good. Four <laughs> seasons, though. 53 episodes. Should be more than 53 episodes for four seasons, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, dude, when the, when the first trailer came out for this movie, I, I, I wasn't excited. You know, I, it was like, I remember the first Men in Black. Even, I remember the excitement I had for Men in Black 2. I mean, when the trailer came out, like, what was it, like, seven, eight months before the, the movie did? And... I, and I was watching it on the computer over and over again because I loved the trailer for Men in Black too, and and even when f- they finally got their heads, Why? oh, because I, I at the time watching movie trailers online before a movie came out was still kind of a new thing. No, I mean, why did you like the trailer for Men in Black too? Oh, I thought it was hilarious because it was a cool setup to um, it was pretty much all the the best parts of the beginning of the movie where oh, okay, you know, it had right. it had the worm and it had you know you know um, Patrick Warburton. You know, hey man, it's talking to you. <laughs> hey, Peter. Hey, and uh, let's have some pie. And uh, and then it oh, also. Oh God, you're gonna. Yeah, and then it also had you you're know. Gonna erase my mind. It had uh, it had Jay going all the way to the post office to you know get Tommy Lee Jones back, and it, it had the scene with him and Bismarcky going boom, boom, right. It, it just it was fucking great. I the energy of it. I was like I was so hyped for Men in Black Two, and then I went and saw it. And I was definitely disappointed. But why does she have a band-aid on her finger in that picture? That's a weird uh, highlight that. Yeah. Yeah, she had a there was a band-aid on her finger in the picture. 
I mean, that's that looks bad. How the fuck did you notice that? That's, that's I, well, I I I was I was looking. Yeah, I was looking at that. Ugh, come on. See, now that you, I, I never would have noticed it, but now that you've pointed it out to me, I can't not notice it. I, I was looking up the so I brought up the Wikipedia page, which is what we use to uh, go over some of the plot and things like that. And the Men in Black International poster has. He's got Tessa Thompson holding the the neuralizer um, in her hand, pointed at the at the camera, and and then it's got that little fucking the little midget chess player, uh, Kamel Nanjiani um, character. Right, same. but that's a, she's holding she's holding the deneuralizer, and she's got a fucking is it bandaid or is it just the, the her fingertip missing or her fingertips missing? One of the two. Because you can't bend your fingertip that fucking far back. <laughs> the end part. I don't think anyone can do that. <laughs> just, I mean, just that piece. Just, I mean, you can do it that much. Could, but still, uh, that not, there. but not, yeah, but see, there's still an angle. You know what I mean? It, She's got a Band-Aid on her finger or it's been cut off. Well, you know what? This whole movie's a fucking Band-Aid. <laughs> it's, it's a Band-Aid on this franchise. It, it's. I don't. Th- th- oh my God! Th- this franchise has such a fucking huge opportunity to go in so many directions. This movie is so bland that the idea of the Twenty One Jump Street crossover is a way better fucking idea than no, this movie. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Come on. No. Come on. No. Come on. Come on, boy. No. All right. Um. It just. Uh, <clears throat> none of the trailers got me excited for this movie. You know, it, it's. I didn't feel any sense of wonder with the aliens at all. It, it just, and the more I thought about this movie, the more it started pissing me off. This movie reminded me of something that I have always talked about, um, not on the podcast, and have always believed in at heart, yeah. <clears throat> which is schooling. Um, at, when you're a musician and you want to, and this is especially true in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and coming up in the 80s, yeah. and even the 90s, when you're a musician in a band, like all these bands want to start off doing all their original music. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear your original music. And it's because nobody cares. Yeah. Okay. That's, and it's, hey, it's look, the cold truth. It's, yeah, it's the absolute cold truth. And I've told that to multiple musicians over, over time. Yeah. Which is, well, we're going to go out and we're going to start a band and we're going to do all original music. And we're like, nobody's going to listen to you guys. Nobody's going to put you up on stage to listen to original music. You need to cover stuff, yeah. So that people, and stuff that you may not like, yeah. you need to cover because you need to draw an audience. Yeah. The more that you draw an audience, the more that you can start putting in your original stuff, and then you can do that. That's how that's how artists grow. Artists like Nirvana and Van Halen and Ozzy Osbourne and all these other guys, when they were in the club circuit, and that's what they call it. Yeah. Literally through the. 60s and the 70s you had to play four sets four like hour four like four hours damn you had to play four sets at least for ten dollars for <laughs> yeah whatever you're Nothing. whatever you're making yeah um it was different back then you they, they made money um but they it wasn't you know but <clears throat> it wasn't pay to play in most cases um they would play four sets of music that range anywhere from 10cc and disco all the way to Kiss and ZZ Top and everything else. Yeah. You can hear it in the bootlegs of these bands when if you get if you're able to find, you know, there there are plenty of bootlegs available 
for every band, but finding the ones when they're coming up and they're playing the clubs and whatnot, yeah. very, very difficult for a lot of bands. But would you like call <clears throat> that like the garage uh, music? Um, but in a sense, it's the same thing. What I mean by that is, or where I'm going with this is, when, and, and I believe it's the same thing for filmmakers. You're going to follow your film, the, the guys that you like best. If you like fucking George Lucas the best, if you like Steven Spielberg, that actually came out kind of weird and wrong. If you like fucking George Lucas, if you like George Lucas, if you like Steven Spielberg or <laughs> Scorsese or De Palma, or bend over, you will, or Tarantino, <laughs> or any of these cats, you know, <clears throat> when. When you're first doing all of this stuff, yeah. when you're making your YouTube film or your 8mm film or whatever you're doing, you're going to copy your favorite. Yeah. And then you're going to show it. And then as, as the more you grow and the more you have original ideas pop into your head, or at least your ideas pop into your head of what you want to do, that's how it's going to work out. And then... And then when you go to film school and all this other stuff, they're going to ask you to make films based off of this type of thing or that type of thing. So basically film school is your your uh, <clears throat> your club circuit, right? Yeah. And then from there, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. So it's the same thing. Um, if you listen to musicians or artists or movie makers, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Most of them in interviews will routinely talk about their past, where they reference uh, how they came to be the types of artists they are, um, their influences, the amount of time they put into finding the things that excited them about their professions, what made them who they are, more accurately, what made them the person they became. Uh, if you listen to, like, Brett Easton Alice uh, talk to Tarantino, and that's one of the podcasts I was listening to that kind of brought this whole thing together, of all things movies, it's it, it, listening to Tarantino talk. Not only does he know who the critics are, he knows everything about his particular likes in film. Yeah. Like you do. Well, Joe does, like Joe does. Um, take Captain Marvel, for example. It lacks a certain style and substance. It feels like Marvel Studios had an idea, but it ended up being a better version of DC's Green Lantern more than anything else. I'll tell you what, I watched it a second time, and I enjoyed it more with no expectations, but it still isn't the best Marvel movie. Nowhere near. Same with Godzilla, and the same with Men in Black International. And this is where I'm getting at with this stuff. Mm -hmm. When you're making movies, if like this, these recent slate of blockbuster movies are lacking something. Oh yeah, they're lacking a lot, is what they're lacking, and one of them is heart. They're lacking a lot of heart and vision. Yeah, even Men in Black Three had fucking heart. Yeah, and I liked Men in Black Three. Yeah, it didn't suck. You you could it tell that you could tell it had some production problems, but it still had fucking heart to it, man. And so it, it resonated. But it's it's not just about that. They also understand where these movies have come from. Yeah. Like, if you watch Barry Sonnenfeld's Ver Men in Black. Yeah. You know, and you hear that music come in, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yep. And you watch the movies. Barry Sonnenfeld wasn't a director until his 30s. Yeah, he was. I know, we just watched something on uh, on uh, a movie, and it, he was one of the uh, assistant production uh, managers. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, up until... Like, Men in Black was, like, his second or third movie or some shit like that. It wasn't... He hadn't been directing long. Yeah. But he had been in the movie business for 10 years at that point until he became a director. Yeah. And then Spielberg asked him to direct Men in Black because Sonnenfeld has a style. But he didn't get that style 
just on a whim. You know, he didn't get that style from uh, sitting behind a computer or whatever else. And I'm not, I'm not saying F. Gary Gray does that. What I'm saying yeah. is that <clears throat> he he really worked at becoming a director. Yeah. By going through the ranks now, again. <clears throat> not saying that F. Gary Gray didn't do the same thing. Because, F, I mean, he began, F. Gary Gray began writing. Um, he was doing did, music videos. Yeah, he was doing music videos. Uh, it was a good day, Natural Born Killer, Killers. Yeah, shitload of Ice Cube stuff, yeah. Um, then he did The Negotiator, uh, Set It Off, The Italian Job, Be Cool, Law Abiding Citizen, Straight Out of Compton. He's a good director. Yeah. So when when... I found out that F. Gary Gray was directing this movie. I was excited. I didn't even know he was directing it until the fucking titles came up when we were watching it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the dude started directing, started off directing Friday. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that was a huge investment. You know, that was a, that was a gamble yeah. when they did that, yeah. And he directed Fate of the Furious, and I'm not happy with that movie, but yeah. that's not his fault. Yeah, he, yeah that, that, that's a studio saying, we want you to do this, just do it. We're going to give you a fuck ton of money. Yeah, it was you know kind of like a, a big budget version of Kevin Smith's Cop Out. <clears throat> Wasn't Fate <laughs> of the Furious a Sony movie too? Um, Universal. So he goes and directs Fate of the Furious, and then Sony hires him to direct Men in Black International. And this movie stinks to high heaven. And he's not a producer on there. He's only a director. Of it's produced by Walter F. Parks and Laurie McDonald. Um, he he's produced for more than fifty films, including the Men in Black series and Minority Report. And he's the co-founder and co-chairman of Dreamscape Immersive. And Laurie McDonald um, is married to Walter F. Parks and helped build the original DreamWorks SKG, where Parks served as head of its motion picture division. So how the fuck are they dropping the ball on this shit, man? Because <clears throat> someone higher up in Sony said, I have a great idea. Let's yeah. add let's add a little dildo-looking thing, a little chess piece that can turn into a dildo there, and get yeah. Kumal Nanjiani to... Uh, Be the next Rob Schneider. Yeah, Rob Schneider is a carrot, <laughs> as you keep saying. Yeah. It, uh, I it, mean, there were there were some good parts about this, but for the most part, like <clears throat> like the 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 end sequence, the end fight, the last fight, yeah, what a fucking letdown, yeah. Like they just all died, and then and then you know the whole and then Liam Neeson takes them all back, and they have a party, and then there's the final battle, but still, yeah. there's no what, like what a fucking anticlimactic. There was more concern Fight. for the death of Rip Torn's character Zed in Men in Black Three, right? Than there was for for Liam Neeson's character in this one. You know, it, it was nothing. It, okay, so the beginning of the movie starts with Molly Wright, who is played by it's not Tessa Thompson, but she will be played by Tessa Thompson. Yeah, and she witnesses her parents being neutralized uh, by neutralized. men in Men in Black agents while she helps an alien escape. Neutralized. <laughs> yeah, that kind of in a way it's the same thing. Same thing. Neutralized. Yeah. Neutralized. And then the agents drive off. They they don't inspect the house. That was yeah, that was fucking weird. They yeah. just drive off. I did notice that. And I, I totally forgot until you mentioned it. But yeah. That was weird. Like they're supposed to do cleanup. Yeah. They always supposed to have cleanup. a whole whole crew there. Yeah. So that that right there tells me that we are in big trouble. Yeah, it's fucking lazy. And and then near near like the end of the film, yeah. The per the the, the alien that she helped escape. 
just uh, happens to be the bodyguard of you know yeah a small world small universe yeah <laughs> I mean I could see it happening but it, come on it was yeah I mean once it once it was becoming obvious that he was gonna be that guy be that creature right and right before it, it was like I figured it out right before the name drop right and right. then I'm just like get the fuck this is okay way too coincidental yeah this a little too much I. <clears throat> and I had I none of the aliens in this movie except for the the, the dubstep twins. The, when they were energy, there was a cool visual effect with them. Th- that was cool. That was really fucking cool. I, I even liked the um, it was layered. What was yeah. the uh, uh, the weird dude that came down? Oh, are you talking about the asshole guy, the party guy? Yeah, the party guy. He, I liked his character. He was cool. Yeah, he was a cool dude. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. It, and it he's just, just like, come on. And then, and I can totally understand why Hemsworth's character was the way he was because he was neuralized a couple, not just once, he was neuralized a bunch of times, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I, I caught on to him being neuralized like about, I'd say about a third of the way into the movie because he just kept saying the same exact thing every time when he mentioned that that battle. Right. You know, the serious seven deatomizer, right? It, like, yeah, okay, they, they, there's going to be a twist with this shit. Because he knew, I knew. The fact that they didn't show him and Liam Neeson at the beginning of the movie defeating the the horde or whatever it was called the right. hive the hive and, and and so like okay well then what happened right so the and it's gonna play of course it's gonna play when I'm able to predict that much of a movie before you know just from little things like that then they, there's got to be a problem because usually you can schmooze me for a while and I I won't notice right but. Not this time. I, I I knew there'd be some fucking twist. It was either going to be Hemsworth or Liam Neeson's character, or both of them, that were really aliens or something. Yeah, and that's what I was. I was expecting Hemsworth to be the bad guy. The twist was fine. I was good with the twist. Liam Neeson. They they played it off perfectly. In fact, uh-huh. uh, by not giving the bullshit away and actually, you know, to the point where Liam Neeson's calling Hemsworth's character and telling him what's going on. You need to get out of there and protecting him and whatever yeah. else. So. That whole subplot with the Liam Neeson, Chris Hemsworth thing was played off perfectly. It's actually a surprise twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they don't telegraph it, but they do telegraph it in in, in a sort of way. It's just a quick scene at yeah. the beginning where they're fighting the hive. And if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. And and, and it's that simple. They they don't like I said they don't telegraph it they they don't make the bad guy you know Liam Neeson they don't make him go go all fucking ranty you know and monologue and yeah. all this other stuff he's just like you know do your goddamn job and do yeah. it well you know yeah. you're supposed to be one of the best agents what's going on with you what's the problem yeah. you know yeah I had a I had a major problem with the fact that okay if this is going to be international right they're going to be in a different different place different headquarters let's see something different. Right, and instead, it was it, it it might as well have been filmed like different. How? Just what do you want different? I mean, I I don't want different with Men in Black. They're they're these are portals into our our on, on, onto Earth. It's it's a fucking airport. Their Men in Black headquarters just it might as well have been in New York, and it, everyone just had a fucking British accent. And that's the great th- part about it. That was that wasn't great at all. It was fucking boring. It felt lazy. It no, really felt lazy. No, because if you go to any airport, what do you see? The same shit, just with different names, you know, or spelled differently. It's all the same shit. So who cares about different? It fit in with the whole movie. The whole movie was, you're not showing me anything new. You're not 
You're not expanding on this this beautiful premise of Men in Black. It just the the aliens were mostly boring. You had a fucking chick with just an extra arm. That's all she had was an extra arm. I, I understand that, back. but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the fact that there are some things that are just going to be the same. It's a goddamn airport terminal. It's an inner. It's a. It's a. It's a spaceport terminal. They're all going to look the same. <clears throat> I, I. I don't have a problem with. Then that. it would. It would have been fine if they had actually done something though. But they didn't do anything. Instead, you just had Rafe Spall character who's who's disapproving of of, of uh, you know Hemsworth, and and he's constantly like giving these attitude you know conflictions with uh, Liam Neeson's character, which of course plays out at the end of the movie. Right, it makes sense. Right, but that's not the problem. His character was fine. Neeson's character was fine. That isn't the problem. The problem is is the entire plot line with Hemsworth, the main plot line, which is Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. Everything else below that, the secondary plot line, which actually had a really good story, was fantastic. So whoever rewrote this script, Art Markham, Matt Holloway. <laughs> you say it and I'm a calling you out kind of. I, I am. <laughs> Uh, oh, they wrote P- Iron Man and Punisher Warzone. Iron Man was a good fucking... This is How do you fuck best. Iron Man Transformers the last night? Oh. God so Damn, they, if you can't get much more mixed bag than that. You can't... You How do you fuck up Iron Man? <laughs> well, they're not the only ones that wrote it. Uh, Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby, uh, Children of Men. So there you go. Okay. So... They're tag-alongs. Yeah, they're... they're so they, they wrote... The last movie that they wrote, well, Punisher Warzone, not that good. Yeah. And then they wrote Transformers The Last Night, and then they wrote Men in Black. That's a weird stretch between fucking movies. Uh, it took them nine years to write Transformers, apparently. <laughs> I guess they shouldn't have left the nest yet. <laughs> uh, they were hired by Paramount to co-write a script with John Fusco for the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. God, how bad... Does your fucking script have to be for Michael Bay to go, fuck you? <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. That their, their fucking script for 2014 Ninja Turtles got shit. Well, shit they, it didn't get used, so they don't know. I mean, who knows what happened with it? Yeah. Who knows if they, it was just a spec script or mm-hmm. whatever. But the, the whole main plot with Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson was garbage. It was it was utter garbage. You have Tessa Thompson who's going to the FBI and CIA on the grounds of her delusions regarding the evidence of alien life. No, she and her applications aren't being a, a rejected because of that. She's actually about to be hired, and she she's purposely fucking rejecting them herself because she wants to know about the men in black. Yeah. Instead of getting hired at one of these organizations and working from within to get hired at Men in Black, yeah. right? And then we and then she, you know, finds Men in Black and goes in and and then, you know, talks her way into, you know, like the, you know, not the Will Smith way, but talks her way into becoming an agent, right? Yeah. Which is look, I mean, it's it's stupid. The whole plot, that whole plot right there is fucking dumb. It's like how can you be this organization that constantly saves, you know, consistently saves the world from all these complicated situations, and yet this happens. Well, I mean, obviously, people can walk in and go into the, ele- you know, the elevator, and then, and then it gets called in, yeah, and then they get neuralized or neutralized, either or, yeah. But 
I mean, again, going back to the original movie and even the comic, it, it just makes me think that these two guys that wrote this fucking movie didn't even do any real research other than they went back to Men in Black 2. Yeah. Right? And maybe maybe had some fond nostalgia about Men in Black and said, oh, we don't want to do that that way, blah, blah, blah. The opening to Men in Black has a bug that you're following yeah. and gets hit by a car. Am I not mistaken about that? No, it's a dragonfly, and it's um, it starts off as from the perspective of the bug, and then all of a sudden you see the bug and you start following it, yeah. Right, and then... And then, and then goddamn spot. bugs. Right. And 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 that is a telegraph, by the way. Mm-hmm. That telegraphs the whole ending of the movie, which is bugs. Yeah. Right? Goddamn bugs. <clears throat> I'm gonna go get my gun back. You know, and and, and yeah. <laughs> and then Tommy Lee Jones tells, you know, is talking to the alien, hey Mikey, what are you doing? Yeah. Trying to cross the border, huh? <laughs> yeah. Time, time to go home. Yeah. That is the beginning of the movie where we are introduced to Mikey the alien who gets shredded, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other guy, the old guy, wh- whoever he was, yeah, uh, Jay, yeah, spirit twilling K L, I think is what. Uh, yeah. it, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, spirit twilling, yeah. but it's not the hearts. Yeah, not in yeah. it. Yeah, well, yeah, just, stars are nice out at night, aren't they? Yeah, I never look at them anymore. Right, never just look at them. And you, you're already starting off kind of on a down note, but. But you're invested, you know, and then they get the police and the, the cops are all involved and they're like, well, put your gun down. Whip blast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the light that you saw was from a from a gas balloon. The gas explosion genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great movie. I, yeah. I, I love that movie. And, and you know, like, I, I, and I'm not a fan of Men in Black too, but. Because I mean, they they obviously just Will Smithed it up. They rushed it. They definitely rushed it. And but it was fucking funny throughout. I mm. look. I just watched it again, and that movie. Oh, hell yeah, it's got its fucking problems, but it's still funny from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, it's got its moments. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm yeah. not downplaying that. It, there, it, there was not any funny moments. I'm just. That movie is not <laughs> anywhere near the first one. No, no, anywhere. it's not. It's not. It, and it, the third one is closer to the <clears throat> first one. Yeah, of course. But w- the problem with this one is that it goes so far out of its way to try to not be Men in Black that it fails, with the exception of a few things, it fails mostly on all fronts. I think the only thing that I really enjoyed in that movie was actually seeing Frank the Pug again. You know? I, I loved the entire Liam Neeson storyline, and and uh, I already fucking lost my 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 any enthusiasm I had for the movie by that time. I was <laughs> I was still there watching it. Yeah. But why couldn't you just make Tessa Thompson a, an FBI or a CIA agent, uh-huh. or yeah. or a, <clears throat> even better, a <clears throat> drug enforcement agent, a DEA mm-hmm. who comes across an alien, right? <clears throat> yeah, and then and go from there. Why why can't you? Or a cop, or you know, I mean, it's already been done, but still, I mean, the whole premise behind Men in Black was Will Smith's character ran down a, you know, some cephalopod. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, you know, that's double tough. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> and and then, Edwards, what's the problem? <laughs> and, and then and then he goes through the training thing, you know. Yeah, and then he's like, "Why did you shoot the girl?" Mm-hmm. Well. Why did you think? Why did you think young Tiffany deserved to die? Yeah. 
<laughs> and she's like, well, you know, I, that guy was working out over there, and this dude was just bringing home his groceries. And, and he's it, got a cold. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, with the tissue and everything else. How do you think I feel is you can come bust your ass when you're just trying to do a couple pull-ups, you know? <laughs> yeah. And little Tiffany here, she... You got quantum she, physics books. <laughs> she's about to start some shit. Yeah, and personally, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you ease up off my back about it. Yeah. <laughs> Great scene, and then he and then and then Rip Torn doesn't say shit. He just has this look on his it fucking just walks face. Away. And then, yeah, that's a great humor. Yeah, great humor, and it pulls you in. The whole movie involves you. It, yeah, it just pulls you in right from the get go. Where he's just chasing this dude down, and yeah. you're seeing him, you know, fucking yeah. uh, ultra parkour everywhere. Yeah, and he's just he's going up the yeah, and, and I business. got no. And my problem isn't with Chris Hemsworth himself; it's his character is he's just a fucking like a different version of his uh, receptionist from Ghostbusters, right? Which was done by fucking Sony. Yeah, right. It just nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been better if he played it off as, uh, you know, instead of. It just felt like they wanted him to try to be funny. Yeah. And he didn't need to try to be funny. God, just... imagine if Taika Waititi had directed this. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. If Sony had allowed Taika Waititi to truly direct this. Right. You know? Imagine how funny and good you know Chris Hemsworth and everyone else could have been in this movie. Absolutely. This, this movie would have been stellar. Yeah. If you get a director that understands... And you give him the freedom. Yeah, well, that's that's the most important part. Yeah. Well, that's the second most important part. You have to understand where it's coming from to know where it's going. And in order for Men in Black International to be successful on any front, yeah, you you have to basically give us Men in Black. And they didn't give us Men in Black. They gave us they gave us Thor and Valkyrie. Valkyrie, yeah. And Valkyrie is you know a, a smarmy, cocksure chick who you know that that doesn't know what she's doing and pre- pretending to know what she's doing and but she's a smart ass yeah. right and that's that's not even the same character that Valkyrie is it's just like it's it's like these light versions of these characters that they were supposed to be playing yeah I didn't even realize how annoying um, Kumail Nanjiani's character was um, until you you mentioned after the movie what a useless waste of a character like because at first I was enjoying him when they first showed him. You know, when they, when, you know, after all of his people are killed and shit, right? Right. And I'm like, okay, he's cute. And then I'm like, oh, he's tagging along with him. Right. Okay. And then he just, it, it, he became the token black dude. He really was. He was, instead of him saying, you know, oh, no, you didn't. Instead, it was more like, ah, I see Why you what you did there. Why you gotta go there with the racism? <laughs> because, because <laughs> there's some stereotypes that just truly fucking fit. And you know what? You could have said token child. Nah, I mean, look, they, they he was same to- fucking difference. They, look, they use him as the token fucking comic comedic relief yeah. tag along. It's Rob Schneider as the carrot. Yeah, it was fucking horrible. I, I, thinking about it, like I and I, I did think he was cute for a minute, and then they, until he, until they start cutting away to him, and he's just like these throwaway <laughs> lines, like <laughs> I I don't like this. Yeah, or oh shit. Yeah. It was yeah, it, like, and it's just a full-on cut to him in a pocket. Yeah, it was almost like Dottie, the the poodle in Coming to America, when yeah. they're arguing in the living room and he keeps just cutting back and duck. forth. Yeah, or or Jar Jar from Phantom Menace. Yeah, uh, during the pod race. <laughs> okay, day. You know, <laughs> it, it just that some you know, I this movie cost one hundred and ten yeah. million. It made one hundred and twelve. Why stop it? It's dude. It's by already, the way, the Vungus thing that Vungus, Vungus, Fung, whatever his name is, Vungus von Mungus. 
Yeah. Um, I I I like that character. I did like the character, and uh, you know, it's the and of uh, course he's only in the movie for five minutes. You get someone you actually like. Yeah, and he's Pawnee. Fucking, they named him Pawnee. Yeah, what a dumb fucking name. Because he's you know pawn on a chessboard. He's board. a pawn. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find the bad guys, the the two hive guys. Um, oh yeah, I just call them the dubstep twins. Les twins. Yeah. They twins. Uh, Shape shifting alien duo seeking a dangerous artifact. Uh, also portray the human that the twins kill and copy his appearance on. Mm. Um, they did a great fucking job. Uh, French dancers and choreographers, producers, models, designers, and creative directors of their brand, Eleven Paris, often referred to by their respective names, Little Beast and Cablaise. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they were fantastic in this movie. They really were. Caven Novak played Vungus the Ugly. Yeah. Um, a member of an alien royal family that has a history with H. Uh, he's best known for... Phone Jacker um, from 2006 and 2008. British actor, voice actor, comedian. Um, Emma Thompson, obviously. Rebecca Ferguson as Riza Stavros. She was in um, Drowning Ghosts. Yeah, she was the one that had the... Isn't that funny? She's an arms dealer, and she has an extra arm. Yeah. Fucking God. That might might have been funny in an Austin Powers movie. Yeah. (laughs) But... I just that bugs me. It's like there's no originality with these. The thought of all these different aliens they could do, and here it is, right here. You know, they have a character just with a fucking extra arm. The film went through a troubled production due to frequent clashes between director Gray and producer Parks, which started when the executive overseeing the project, Sony's executive vice president David Bober, exited the studio in 2018 and was never replaced. So. <clears throat> An early draft of the script, which Sony initially praised and got the attention of stars Hemsworth and Thompson, had an edgier tone that than the finished film and featured sociopolitical commentary on current debates surrounding immigration. Fine. Oh. The main antagonists were to be an alien music group inspired by the Beatles, with the four members merging into one villain during the climax. Parks, who had final cut on the film, oh... There we go. Had a heavy hand in overseeing rewrites during pre-production and filming. Park's new script pages stripped away the early draft's more modern sensibilities and arrived daily for uh, Hemsworth and Thompson, who were both so confused that they hired their own dialogue writers. Fuck. Parks not only dictated rewrites, but also stepped in on directing duties, although no Director's Guild of America rules were said to have been violated. Gray tried to exit the production several times, but was convinced by stay by Stony Sony uh, Stoners. <laughs> Parks and Gray also clashed over the color correction process during post production. The studio tested two cuts: one put together by Gray, the other by Parks. With the version by Parks being chosen as a theatrical cut. God, so, this thing just totally undermined the fucking director. Yeah. So, what's the point of having a director if you're if if the producer is going to write the movie? Uh-huh. And so, okay, we, we'll have we'll have to forgive the two knuckleheads that rode Transformers the last night. <laughs> you know, well, let's just say that this guy wanted his fucking robotic spider to be in this. Yeah. So, so this guy Parks not only wrote the fucking movie yeah. and rewrote the fucking movie and got to the point where you were confusing your own goddamn billion dollar stars. Yeah. Hello. Here, here is the problem, Sony. Stop letting. 
Let your guys do the fucking work that they are hired to do. F. Gary Gray, God. who is a fantastic director. Like I said, we can't blame Gar- him because nope. we, we knew immediately that there were studio problems when we started this podcast. Yeah. We've known immediately with almost every Sony movie we've watched. Every Sony movie that we go see, I definitely take a grain of salt with. Yeah, and, and there's few exceptions. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. You know, which I've got at Target for 10 bucks. On uh, DVD or Blu-ray? D- on Blu-ray. Fucking damn. I picked it up and went to uh, checkout and boop, boop, 10.73. Holy $22 shit. $22 movie. I'm like, okay. Shit. Okay. All right. All right. I don't even question it. Just yes. walk out and smile. I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is the problem. This is, this is 100% the problem with Sony. This has always been the problem with Sony for years. Which is, yeah. and it's not just Sony. I mean, it, it it infects Fox. It infects. I mean, it. Come on, it infects every studio. Yeah. But for the most part, like if you like if you look at Disney and Pixar and ABC or uh, Lucasfilm and uh, Marvel, Kevin Feige lets the directors do their thing. Yeah. Kevin Feige is not writing his shit. Yeah. Kevin Feige lets. I mean, he's going to make the ultimate decision. That's why Edgar Wright left. Yeah. You know, whether you like it or not, he's in charge. So when he says we can't do that, we're not going to do that, think of an alternate way of doing something like yeah. that. That's just the way it is because they're giving service to the fanboys. I wish Heather was here right now so she could do like a Harry Carey producer's voice. Hi, why don't we put a robotic spider in there? <laughs> why don't we make Chris Hebsworth? A drunken fool. Would you make Chris Hemsworth a drunken fool that had no memory? <laughs> no memory? <laughs> I would. God damn it. Yeah, I'd make him sing the national anthem every five minutes. Would you make Chris Hemsworth play the same character he played at Ghostbusters? <laughs> I would. I did not get the fucking Thor joke until someone pointed it out to me. Picked up a hammer and threw it. I didn't. I just, for some reason. Like, it's been in every fucking trailer. I never, dumb moment. I I have them. I'm human. I'm Joe. Uh, I didn't fucking get it until someone pointed it out to me. Hey, Joe. (laughs) Did you know there was a Thor moment in the the movie? Yeah. I. I, Habs were through a hammer. God. Just imagine if, like, Kevin Kevin Feige came in and, and, and just started. Running Sony, no, all those franchises. How no. how much bet more they would? He wouldn't improve. do it. I'm 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 just imagine. No, it can't because <laughs> he wouldn't be able to do it. Because he's done with Disney, right? But he wouldn't be able to do it with Sony because there's just too many people at Sony that want to put their fucking little fingers in the pot, and they'll find a way to do it. He's got absolute control over at over at Marvel. Yeah, and he's not running Disney. He's just running Marvel. Yeah. Sony's a whole different pot where it's just multiple movies. Like Sony's dramas and shit like that, they're they're fine. It's not their dramas, it's their tentpole blockbuster movies that they continually manage to fuck up. And and this whole parks thing, look, hold on a second. Dude, Sony I for because I forgot his name and I was going to Sony turned the karate kid into the Kung Fu Kid. And still called it the Karate Kid though. I forgot his name, and I had just read it, and uh, um, John Peters, that's the guy. John Peters is the dude that's responsible for the gigantic 
spider. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, oh my God, it's just, just fucking wretched. When, when you have a guy that thinks he's John Peters and he goes in and he really believes that he can affect change. He's a producer on more than 50 films, including the Men in Black series and Minority Report. He helped to build DreamWorks with Parks, the head of its motion picture division. Uh, and the two later moved to Amblin, where Parks served as president. He's been nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, receiving his first nomination as director. This is Walter Parks. Yeah. Uh, of the 1975 documentary, The California Reich. His second for co-writing the original screenplay for War Games, and his third as a producer of Awakenings. He's got a fucking massive filmography behind him. War Games, Volunteers, Project X with Matthew Broderick. Awakenings, you know, Twister. Fucking monkey. Uh, sneakers. Two Wong Fu. <laughs> Little Giants. That was a huge goddamn hit. Yeah, Men in Black, Peacemaker, Almost How to Make an American Quilt, Stop Jumping Ahead, Just Read the Stuff, Twister. Huge fucking, huge. Amistad, you said that. Small Soldiers, The Mask of Zorro, Produced Gladiator. Now, being a producer is one thing, right? Yeah. He produced, he... He's been with Spielberg a few times. Yeah. Uh, AI. Sweeney Todd. Lemony Snickets. Men in Black 3. Dinner for Schmucks. Well, there's one. (laughs) <laughs> Keeping up with the Joneses. So it seems like around dinner for schmucks, <laughs> something happened. Like, this is his... This is his uh, Flight is an excellent movie, by the way. Flight is very, very good. Yeah, but again, he was just a producer on that, yeah. right? So uh, he's a producer on Dinner for Schmucks, Men in Black 3, and Flight. So we give those a pass. That's 2012. 2015, he did something. 2016, Keeping Up with the Joneses, Rings, Tulip Fever, Free Solo, nobody saw. Rock climbing movie. Men in Black International, and Barbie. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, he's been involved with the Men in Black series since since it came out. Why, why does he think that he can do a better job than F. Gary Gray? Something has happened in between The Terminal and Catch Me If You Can. Like... Like, well, he was working with Spielberg, so he worked on AI, and, and he worked on Minority Report, Men in Black 2, The Road to Perdition, The Tuxedo, The Ring, Catch Me If You Can, and The Terminal, <clears throat> which, like, 70% of those are Steven Spielberg movies. Yeah. So guess what's going to happen when Spielberg is involved? Gold, Jerry. Shut the fuck up and let me do my job, right? Yeah. You're just a producer. Yeah, so go produce. Yeah, so go do your thing while I do my thing. Yeah. And Go, go talk to the money. And then come back. Yeah, go get me money, and then that's it. Yeah, shut, shut the fuck up. up. And then after that, there's a problem. And maybe he had a falling out with Spielberg because he hasn't worked with Spielberg since. No, there's I, no, I, there's no War Horse. There's no uh, Lincoln. There's there's no Bridge of Spies. Like since 2004, he did The Island, Just Like Heaven, The Legend of Zorro, The Lookout, The Kite Runner, Sweeney Todd. Um I mean, I'm, look, uh, Spielberg's name is attached to Men in Black, so that's just that. But something happened. Something bad happened. This is not a movie I I will ever consider adding to my library of of films. I will not add it to my Men in Black collection. Right. It, I, I have no interest in in a sequel to this if they ever decide to do one. And this series needs a major retooling. They need to go back. 
to the original comic, mm-hmm. and they need to start pulling from the comic source, oh. and they need to start rebuilding the entire universe. Like you can still do it. You can do a sequel with Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. But if that guy Parks is involved, it's just going to fail. It's, it's going to fail automatically. And you know, sometimes people are with a, something for too long and they can't see clearly anymore. Yeah. And I mean, like Avi Arad. Yeah, but that's the thing is that why why hire fucking script guys if you're just going to rewrite everything? Why hire F. Gary Gray to do a goddamn movie if you're just going to override everything he does? Seriously. It's counterproductive. It's, and that guy's a producer. You you can't be counterproductive when you're a fucking producer. That makes no sense. Right. That's an oxy. Is that an oxymoron? Uh, no. Counterproductive producer? <laughs> the film holds an approval rating of 24%, and I don't really base anything off of Rotten Tomatoes anymore because I don't care. They're universally they're owned by Universal. That means one out of every four critics did not... Only one out of four critics liked the movie. Based on 255 reviews, with an average rating of 4.4 out of 10. Um, seems like everybody's going towards the something out of 10 now. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Websites critical, consensus <clears throat> reads, amiable yet forgettable. Uh, grinds its stars substantial chemistry through the gears of a franchise running low on reasons to continue. Metacritic, uh, the film has weighted an average of 38 out of 100, indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Really? That's a 38%. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average of B on an A to F scale. Why? I mean, I mean, we're above average when it comes to seeing movies because... Mm-hmm. We see a fucking shitload of movies every year. This is and this is weird. This, their rating scale is horrible because anything that's less than an A is considered a failure. So their A through F fucking scale doesn't really doesn't gel properly. It's just like like being a Lyft driver or anything like that. The rating scale is bullshit. You're either perfect or you're not. Peter Bradshaw of the Guardian called him Men in Black, making another intensely tiresome and pointless reappearance, and gave the film one out of five stars. Pete DeBruge. Of Variety said the connection between Tessa and Hemsworth is what saves the day. No, it's not. I think R.I.P.D. had more fucking uh, fun than this movie did. Not anything their characters do on screen and called the film itself amusing, if uneven. Uh, the Chicago Tribune, Men in Black International isn't bad. It's an improvement over Men in Black 2 and Men in Black 3. Completely wrong. Sequels that even its makers may have forgotten. As a species, we appear destined to revisit this basic concept and renew the hunt for fresh variations on the zingy, disarming first picture, which brought the Lowell Cunningham comics to the screen so shrewdly and well in 1997. No, because Men in Black 2 and Men in Black 3 are not forgettable. No, This is completely forgettable, and especially Men in Black 2. I hear more people talk about fucking Men in Black 2 than... Than the other movies in the uh, in the series because there is some fun shit in that movie. It's, it's just just not a good movie, isn't? <laughs> Your hate for that movie is passionate. The light of Zartha. <laughs> they, look, they had a whole funny thing with that. That look, they even made the 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 what was the guy's name um, Peter. Um, Oh, God. He's on, like, A&E. Laura's bracelet leads J&K to the roof of a skyscraper where a ship stands ready to transport the light back to Zartha. Yeah. The two realize Laura is the daughter of Lorana and is herself the light. Yeah. K convinces J and Laura that she must go to Zartha to save both her planet and Earth from destruction. Serlina, who has assimilated Jeff and taken his form, attempts to snatch the ship 
carrying Laura as it lifts off. But J&K blast her out of the sky. Since all of New York has just witnessed this battle in the skies over the metropolis, K activates a giant neuralizer in the torch of the Statue of Liberty. I'll teach you yet, kid. Fuck that ending. That ending is garbage. It is fucking garbage. Yeah. Other than that, the movie's okay. <laughs> you like egg salad? No, I mean, I, I like the movie up until that point. And fucking uh, Johnny Knoxville's character, he just disappears. Like, yeah. There's no, you don't, like, find out anything that happens to his character. Like, the, the third act, he's just gone. And there's nothing mentioned in the director's commentary, nothing. Yep. It's fucking just, weird. Yeah. I, like, I think, I think the movie got rushed through somehow. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with Men in Black 2 other than the ending. That ending can kiss my ass. <laughs> Men in Black 3, I liked. Yeah, it seemed like with that ending, they were trying to copy the killing of the bug in, at the end of uh, part one. It, it just it didn't it didn't really work. It just felt rushed through. Yeah, I mean, I, I and then and see, how, it's completely unforgettable. It made more money than Men in Black Two. Yeah. Men in Black Three made half a billion dollars, but yet it's forgettable. <laughs> Sony doesn't know um, what the fuck they're doing, man. Uh, forgettable? How? Please explain to me how that's forgettable. Fuck off with your. Nonsense. It was critical nonsense. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, someone called it meh in black. <laughs> That's M- funny. Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune doesn't understand movies. That's what I understand. That's 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 the whole take I I get out of this. Like if you understand movies, even just an inkling that there's four men in black movies and men in black three did a shit ton better than men in black two because they actually went back to source and figured out, hey, let's go and do this and kind of do a time travel thing and make it fun and then bring Josh Brolin into it. Yeah. And Josh Brolin was amazing. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. But hey, you know, it's a forgettable movie. Fuck you. Fuck off. (laughs) All right, so I do not recommend seeing this movie. I don't either. and It's unfortunate (laughs) because they could have really done something special with this movie. Yeah. I mean, even any of the parts that you mentioned that are worthwhile, I I couldn't, I didn't even get into them because the rest of the movie sucked. Yeah, and like I said, the only parts that are worth it is the entire Liam Neeson subplot. Oh, and the painting of J and K versus the the fucking roach. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the bug. I want that picture on my wall. That is a cool. I'm, one. I'm gonna fucking look for that and find it. I want I want an actual canvas painting of that. Yeah. I just like They've a Kramer had it for years. I want that and I want the Kramer. Uh, the Kramer. <laughs> Everybody has a Kramer. No, no one, no, no. I, you've never been anywhere where someone had a fucking Kramer. Yes, I have. Where? Um, where was I? Were you looking for Eddie Van Halen's house or something? Yeah, I was looking for Eddie Van Halen's house. <laughs> uh, I was looking for Eddie Van Halen's house through someone's window who had a Kramer. <laughs> Holy shit, he's got a Kramer. Um, I saw the original hanging, and I can't remember where the fuck I saw it. I, I got your Kramer hanging. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> I saw it for sale at a um, at a, some art store in Fairfield one time. I was like, "Fuck, I kind of want that." It was like in a warehouse. There, just we were just walking through, and like someone's like, "Hey, there's the original Kramer." Dun, 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 oh. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Top men. That's that's Kramer's. That's right. The Kramer's hidden. All right. So, um, what about the soundtrack, man? What about it? Well, I, you listen to it. Is it worth talking about? Is it worth? Mentioning? It's actually worth getting. Um, hmm. What's really cool about the soundtrack is, <clears throat> so I, I put it on last night. Yeah, and it's Danny Elfman, um, and he did the original. So when you're listening to it, it's you've got the original soundtrack 
from the first movie, this first, second, third movie. Yeah. You know, dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. And and it's intermixed in between with all this other stuff. Danny Elfman is he he he's a musician. He's he's an he's, electronic musician. He's oingo boingo, baby. He, yeah, he's oingo boingo. All right. And then um and n- nothing wrong with that. Because he uses a lot of electronics and stuff like that. He surprised me sometimes with some of his scores. Yeah, and this surprised me. So I'm listening to it and I'm really getting into it and I'm it relaxed me actually. I was I was it I I liken Danny Elfman to a modern day John Williams type of thing. Uh-huh. Where I can listen to him anytime because his music is good. It's relaxing. Yeah. It it's invigorating and and it's it's easy to listen to. Yeah. What's the most surprising Danny Elfman score you've ever heard? I don't know. Well, I asked because I wanted to say mine. <laughs> so say yours. Um, the Planet of the Apes movie. Not a great movie. The Tim, the Tim Burton. But his fucking score is amazing, especially during the end credits. I'm like, holy shit, dude. I, I just want to sit there and listen to that score over and over again. Yeah. Just bring it up on YouTube. Um, and that's what I did with this one. I was surprised because... Like when I'm listening to this score, I'm like I'm pulled into the I'm already pulled in, but I can't remember a goddamn scene. Yeah. Where as I'm listening to the score, there's nothing. Like I remember scenes from the original movie. Yep. I remember scenes from the second movie, sort of the third movie, like the Andy Warhol stuff. Yeah. So that stuff <laughs> is coming through. Who's the dumbass? But nothing from the nothing from this movie. Yeah. And then it was over, and, and I didn't even know it. It just, boom, it was it was just like real quick. I, I don't know. Let's just call it an hour. It was an hour long. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's that's how much I liked it. I was so into it that an hour went by. I didn't even recognize that it was done. And then it went on to the next soundtrack, which was Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and it's Hans Zimmer. And there's a drastic change. Yeah. And so I was listening to that. And I was just like, I got like 30 minutes into the Dark Phoenix thing. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, anymore. like a rude awakening. Well, the problem with the Dark Phoenix thing is that it's the same theme over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's like Hans Zimmer got tired of doing this yeah. and just wrote this, just took the same shit and just put it into audacity when I and read, flipped it around. When I read the trivia for Dark Phoenix, the, the director <clears throat> had to convince Hans Zimmer to come back and do um, Simon Kimberg. He had, yeah, he had right. to convince Hans Zimmer. Because Hans Zimmer said, I don't want to do any more superhero movies. Right. And I just think that he, he did that to... Yeah, you know, it's just like okay, I'll fine, I'll do it, but basically, I'm just gonna copy and paste everything yeah. I do. So, so this is the same fucking theme over and over again. <laughs> and and I caught on to that, and I'm just, and I started kind of I chuckled to myself. I was just like, did he did he really do that? <laughs> I wonder if he did that just to fucking piss. I him off. think he did just to solidify that no one will ask him to do a superhero score ever again. That would make sense. Yeah. So more power to him. Like the Danny Elfman, the 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 Men in Black three or four soundtrack international, fucking fantastic! It okay. really is. Like I said, an hour went by, and and it's just one of those. But you didn't even notice it when you're watching the movie. Barely. I mean, only a couple times, but barely. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Dun dun. Just but, but <laughs> overall, I I barely remember it being yeah. in the movie because the movie is just like I'm I'm just waiting for the movie to do something. And yeah, it's not doing anything. Yeah, you're waiting for that next. Yeah, and the music's supposed to help elevate the movie, and instead, even music that good isn't fucking doing it. And not yeah, anything. And there were moments like when the the twins were attacking and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. again, that anticlimactic thing where they blow up the twins, and that was com- I mean, seriously, it was completely fucking anticlimactic. Yeah. Like fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it it sucks, dude. It really sucks. I mean. 
How do you, how does it take that long to make a Men in Black sequel? You know, when the previous film in 2012 made 600 600 plus million dollars, and it took them that long to come out with another one, and this is what we get because Sony. Sony. All you got to say, yeah, because Sony. Sony. <laughs> All right. So thank God we're done with this fucking movie. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. All right. So um, <clears throat> news wise, I you know I well, I just want to breeze through this shit. Well, then do it. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Rebecca Ferguson has been in uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation mm-hmm. and Fallout. She played the same character. Uh, she was in The Greatest Showman. She's gonna be in Dune and Doctor Sleep. All right. Yeah, she's attractive. I just her character was a complete fucking waste of time. It, it, you know, it's just lazy character creation. You know, um, cre- you know, creativity with her character is mm-hmm. like, what the fucking come on, dude. Just, show me something. Okay. So anyway, um. They are going to be uh, re-releasing Endgame uh, a week before Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home comes out because it, um, you know the the gist is pretty much they're gonna they want to get that record at, from Avatar, right? Right. And uh, so because it's only like forty four million at this moment, forty four million behind, um, you know, beating Avatar's record. Watch it not do it. Watch it just make a hundred grand. <laughs> Look, I've seen Avengers, or um, yeah, it is Avengers, Joe. I've seen Endgame twice, and I don't want to see it in theaters again. Yeah, I look, I love the movie, I really do, but I will wait until it comes out on Blu-ray and then I'll watch it again. Okay. So just because they're slapping a deleted scene or something on the end credits, it's not enough for me to go see it again. I've spent enough. I I think I spent uh, about a hundred and seventy dollars on that fucking movie so far with all the tickets I bought. So no, I'm good. Um. All right, Paramount is making another goddamn paranormal activity. Why? It's kind of part. It's partially rhetorical, but why? Who's doing Ghostbusters? Who does Ghostbusters? Uh, Sony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently they're bringing back the entire cast because Annie Potts is coming back too. Yeah. Well, you, dude. Yeah, but wait till a producer gets in the fucking way and just shits all over it. Um. Gonna happen. <laughs> oh, I look. I want you to be right. I really do on this one. Oh, it's a right man thing. Yeah, that's why. Because he's the right man. Shut the fuck up. I thought you were saying that on purpose. I thought you were throwing your own little fucking pun in there. Apparently not. <laughs> All right. So, um, the paranormal activity movies. I was able to enjoy them for them for for a while. A little bit here and there. But with each film, it just started to stretch and stretch and like, okay, dude, you're running out of ideas. And the fact that they're going to, you know, oh, a whole new chapter. What the fuck else do you... All this is is a cash grab. I can't see them doing anything else new. Yeah, well, the, the whole goddamn series hasn't been a cash grab after two. The first film was made for $15,000 and they it made $193 million worldwide. Yeah. So, so from part two on, it's not been nothing but a goddamn cash grab. Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. I mean, each one um, made like a hundred million dollars each. So, and and, each, and they kept the budgets like five million or less for each film. I don't think you seem to get it. I understand. It's like, it's like guaranteed money. No, you said it's just nothing but a cash grab. Yeah. This movie, mm-hmm. not the entire series. <laughs> sure, the other ones are cash grab. Yes, thank you. But there was some entertainment value. It just got, it started stretching really, really fucking thin. So, hey, look, 
you see how much I hate on certain things, okay? I can find entertainment in other things as well, though. So, fuck that series. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> hey, it's no, it's no poltergeist. I, I will, I'm gonna, I will say that. All right. It's nothing. It's so um, garbage. I wanted to report this because it, it's just fucking weird the world we live in. Netflix uh, let out, you know, who never they never let their numbers out for anything. They reported that the new uh, Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston movie called Murder Mystery um, had the most amount of views over the weekend. It, it had like uh, 30 million views um, from its uh, people, you know, from its, uh, uh, what do you call it? What am I? I'm a subscriber. That's what it is. Subscriber. So, uh, and that's higher than even um, Will Smith's movie Bright that only had like 11 million its first weekend. Um and other hits that they've had. I think uh, like the Bird Box one with Sandra Bullock only had like 14 million or something. Uh, so the fact that this had 30 million views from subscribers over that sp- that span. So they're saying this is huge fucking 30 hit. 30 million views or 30 or it was viewed 30 million times. It was yeah, it was uh yeah. Or no, th- or 30 30 million subscribers watched it. I believe that's what it said. 30 million, like, so accounts. So 15 million people could have watched it twice. It's possible. Or three times for 10. Yeah. Just bringing this up because it, it's I'm just, just asking questions. Yeah, it's just fucking weird, man. I, I Fuck Adam Sandler. And look. I am not watching another one of his goddamn movies. I, and I, I'm not, I, I will not ask you to, unless there's some fucking miraculous turnaround that's amazing. Unless he does something like Barry. Yeah. He can go fuck himself. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I totally understand. I, my son wanted to watch this. I said, fuck it. I'll watch it. And Murder Mystery, luckily it doesn't do the Ridiculous Six horrible pushing too hard humor shit. It, it's actually a watchable movie. It doesn't do that crazy shit. But it's also nothing special. There's no... The, 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 the fucking... The twist at the end is predictable like a murder mystery. And it, it's just fucking... It tries to be kind of like Clue, but it's not Clue. You know, it, it just... It just is what it is. That's it. I, I, you know, the filming locations were nice, but that's it. I, I don't. I, there's something about Jennifer Aniston. She's still hot, but when she talks, half the time she sounds like she's fucking drunk or something. It's weird. Like there's something like the slurring thing going on with her lips when she's speaking. I wonder if it's coming with age or, or some. I, I don't know what the fuck it is. But anyway, um, I don't recommend seeing Murder Mystery, even though it doesn't. It's not a shitty movie, but still, um, Max Landis. That fucker. Oh, God. Y- you think, uh, hey, you know, uh, son of a, a popular film director, he's going to... Well, it's one of two things, and we were discussing this off the show. Yeah. Um, John Lannis is protecting his son, Max, or has been protecting his son, Max, for a long, long time, because either there's a lot of dirty family fucking secrets, Yeah. or John has just been protecting his son because of the family name. Which is, I mean, obviously, you know, American Werewolf in London and everything else. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can take it. I mean, I, look, that's a blanket statement. You can take it either way that you want. But what it comes down to is Max Landis is a giant piece of shit. Apparently. And, and I mean, we were waving his flag early on with uh, um, uh, a couple of things that he's done. But come well, to yeah, find I mean, out, he, uh, he wrote uh, Chronicle. Uh, Bright, you know the Will Smith movie on Netflix, and Victor Frankenstein, well, which I never uh, even finished watching. I that movie was boring to me. I, I could care less about Bright or anything else like that. I didn't care for Bright, but in talking about stuff that he did before that stuff, uh, 
I, I even tried watching his v- version of, uh, look at his goddamn ears. <laughs> hey, Max, don't flap your ears too hard. Hey, Max, land this. Yeah. Um, oh, he did American Ultra. Um, and he did uh, Dirk Hen- Gently's Holistic Detective Agency for BBC. Now, <clears throat> um, I tried watching Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and there's a reason why it was canceled. Uh, Victor Frankenstein didn't work bright. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Depends on who you are. American Ultra was not a good movie, and the only one of the stuff that he's written that's a good movie is Chronicle. Um, yeah, and even dude, Josh Trank that. didn't want to fucking be around him. They, um, I mean, how fucked up you got to be for Josh Trank to say, "Get the fuck out of here." Let's see here. Uh, me, him, her, Bright, Masters of Horror, Fear Itself, Channel Zero. The Death and Return of Superman, Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, Trailers from Hell. Oh, that's he's mostly known for Trailers from Hell and Honest Trailers. He was a writer for Batman v Superman, Trailers, Honest Trailers. Uh, he was in Ghost or Blues Brothers 2000 as Ghost Rider. Um, he wrote Superman, American Alien, and uh, The Forensic Ghost of Tupac Shakur. Where do we even begin with this bullshit? <laughs> um, in 2013, um, he had an interview with self-styled sexologist Shelby Sells. Landis said the most fucked up thing that was that I cheated on a girl who I also gave a crippling social anxiety, self-loathing, body dysmorphia, eating disorder too. The interview was sharply criticized, such as in an essay on the website Jezebel, which described his comments about women in a relationship as obnoxious, twisted, and gross. Landis later claimed to have been drunk during the interview. That's not an excuse. In a post in 2015 on Twitter, Landis described the lead character Ray in Star Wars as a Mary Sue, a term originating in critiques of fan fiction, now often used derisively by critics of feminism to describe female protagonists who are too competent. He later stated in an interview that he stood by his criticism, but I regret framing it that way. I don't understand that the term Mary Sue had been co-opted. Bullshit. You knew exactly what you were saying, and that's a fucking lie. Yeah. Anytime that somebody says something, they know exactly what they're saying, and they're doing it to get hits. Yeah, attention. In 2017, he was accused of sexual assault by a former co-worker, Anna Akana, Mad Magazine editor Ali Gertz had commented several weeks earlier about a famous director's son that she couldn't imagine someone most scared in a post-Harvey Weinstein world, referring to the series of allegations of sexual misconduct by the film producer. Other entertainment industry figures commented in response about this person's bad reputation without naming him. Following Akana's statement, others confirmed Landis's reputation by name. Anti-harassment activist Zoe Quinn, or Zoe Quinn, depending on how she wants it pronounced, alleging that his abuse of women was an open secret and that she'd been withholding the story because him and his dad are powerful figures. In 2019, his former girlfriend, Whitney Moore, posted on Twitter referring to horrific, inhumane things he did. And the Daily Beast published accusations from eight women, this is just recently, by the way, about emotional and sexual abuse by Landis, one describing him as a serial rapist, gaslighter, and physical and psychological abuser. Yeah, he's into humiliation and shit. Psychological manipulation in which a person seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeting group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. He is a bullshit artist, and he's fucking useless. Get rid of him. He needs to be out of Hollywood. Yeah, people are distancing themselves from him. 
kind of like how people are doing it with Brian Singer. Yes. So, you know what? Uh, fuck Max Landis, I guess, you know, based off of all this info. <laughs> so, um, uh, Bad Robot, their, uh, their uh, contract with uh, Paramount has um, ended, and they have uh, signed up with Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers purchased them for, uh, I, I don't know, an, an unknown amount of time for $500 million. Okay. That's fucking big money. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know Bad Robot was worth that much, but holy shit, dude, J.J. Abrams, man, good, props. <laughs> good job, buddy. <laughs> Here, let me, um, I'm going to telegraph this for you. Yeah. He's going to take over DC. Good. Good. That's, that's, uh, I, I'm, I think that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> you know, better than Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder. Okay, come on, say something. Wait, you're, hmm, man, come on. What do you got? What do you got? All I want is them to just produce it. Yeah. Hire the directors, let them do their thing, go. Yeah. Get rid of this new 52 bullshit and fucking go back to the original stuff. Yeah. Uh, Max Landis has been dropped by his writ large managers, uh, has been fired by writ large, his personal managers. I guess that's the name of the company. Yeah. Um, really? <laughs> Okay, well, I was just there. <clears throat> okay, all right. Next, all right. Yeah, so yeah, um, Abrams and his company are going to uh, continue to create and develop new projects for Warner Media and supervise other producers across film, TV, and digital platforms. So, um, uh, but shit, I I don't know. They they they've got some good stuff under their belt, man. So I I I'd like to see what they're going to do over there with the WB. So I but you know. <laughs> Um, Apple Plus uh, streaming that's coming out. They um, said that they're going to be financing uh, six low-budget films a year um, that are de- you know geared towards uh, Oscar contention. So uh, I wanted to bring that one up because... I don't care. Well, I, I brought it up because I thought you might be interested in the fact that a company like Apple is actually interested in, um, in, in um, investing in small-budget films. No, I'm not interested at all because all they're doing is they're trying to get an Academy Award for shit, and if and and this and I and this is makes me this makes me want to side with the Spielberg thing, which is they're producing films just to get an Academy Award. Yeah, and and they're watering down everything on their Apple TV content. Fuck them. Fuck everything about Apple right now. I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, all they're doing is just producing shit to to pretend that they're better than everybody else. Fuck you. And relevant. Yeah, fuck <laughs> fuck your relevancy and what you know, if if you're actually a serious contender, then make the movies and release them into fucking theaters. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, seriously, it's it's there is nothing more annoying than um Another streaming service that just comes out and says, "Well, we're just going to do this, and then we're going to pile them on at the end of the year, yeah. so you know we can get Oscar contention." Fuck your shit, <laughs> and and fuck all the other studios that do that as well. I mean, it, it's it's annoying as shit. I'm not the only one that thinks it's garbage. Yeah, you know, um, people people don't seem to understand that when it comes down to November and December, we just get piled on with all these fucking serious movies. And then all the movies that came out between January and October, they get passed on because because this is the latest and greatest that's on their mind. So things like Get Out or Us or uh, Ex Machina 
really get overlooked. They do. They truly get overlooked because the movies that come out later in the in the in the year, yeah, tend to win. I mean, just look at all you have to do is just look at the history. Well, what I've learned about the Oscars is that um, everyone that wins, they they actually um, poll them or not poll they they push them they push their own product at the Academy. Yeah, you know they um, they submit they audition. They're pretty much auditioning for a spot at the Oscars. Yeah, you know by sending money and. And um and screeners and all this shit, constantly pimping their films out. Like if you you could make the most best reviewed film of the year, everyone loves it, greatest film ever made, right? If you don't promote it towards the Academy, it doesn't even go up for contention or anything. Right. So it's it's all fucking fake. It doesn't matter. These people don't even, you know. So I don't even think it matters what kind of time of year it comes out at or anything. It, it oh, it absolutely does. It, it depends on they, when it's promoted. That's when they 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 start doing the push. Yeah. So I think like us will probably might get a, like a theatrical re-release near the end of the and year. And they don't have to promote it at the end of the year, especially if it's a hit. Yeah. Because it does its own self-promotion. Yeah. People start talking about it. Yeah. So again, I mean, I don't I don't give a shit about Apple's TV product. I don't care about Apple's entertainment product. They're changing a whole bunch of shit up. They're getting rid of iTunes, thankfully. And they're going to Apple Music, they're going to this, they're going to that. You know, whatever. Yeah. They're now they're a software company again. Fuck off. <laughs> All right. So uh, last with the news, uh, there was uh, more more problems on the Bond 25. There's always problems on Bond 25. <laughs> There's always problems on Bond sets. Yeah. He he broke his ankle, and then they had to take time off. And then uh, who is, who's playing uh, the bad guy? Um, I don't know who is playing the bad guy. You have news that the Bond 25 said has stopped. They've stopped filming, but you don't. Yeah, Dan- because it's Daniel not- Craig and somebody. Well, yeah, but it didn't. It didn't talk about it. It talks about Kerry Fukunaga, who's the director, um, showing up late, making everyone wait, and um, and then he's for, you know he's forcing people to work the whole their whole weekends off and stuff. And when they were supposed to be off, and Rami Malek. Oh yeah, Rami Malek. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 all drama. That's that it's that that's his garbage drama. The the, the truth of the matter is, is uh, Daniel Craig broke his ankle during a stunt. Yeah. And um, they have to take time off, and Rami Malek is working on another movie as well, and they can't get back together until October. Yeah, it said, uh, according to a source, <laughs> Yeah, there is a real mutiny right now on the set. No, there isn't. It's bad enough that Carrie was so late for filming and held everyone up, but then for the crew to be asked to work extra hours to cover it was just the final straw. He turned up three hours late, which uh, pissed everybody off. There was a big bust up because they're so behind. Many said that they were not willing to give up uh, their Father's Day in return for the film, and uh, it's just doomed. <sighs> Always an insider. <laughs> I can't be named. Yeah, and then they, they purposely mentioned that he was three hours late because he was playing PlayStation, which I felt odd that they, they had to... How did they know that? I don't know. See, I'm sorry. I don't buy that. Sounds almost like promotion. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Oh, that's all I got for news for this time. Um I, and then I had uh, four trailers that I I really thought were worth mentioning. The one that you, the first one, is the one you fucking sent to me that I didn't even know it was existed until you did, which is uh, the Boys, which is the Amazon um, uh, superhero series. Yeah, the Hard R <laughs> superhero series with Carl Urban. Holy shit! That the greatest superhero team the world's ever seen. The Seven. Anything I can help you with? I'm not gonna piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. 
sloops lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't stop. They were my fitness on the front page. That's where I mean the boys are coming. Spank the bastards when they get out of line. Can you control her, please? You need to unclench your asshole. Why don't you two carrying on like a bunch of fucking twins? You got a fucking job to do. I'm the world's greatest superhero. I can do whatever the fuck I want. We're on the verge of nailing these wankers. I'm done. Oi, what's Sporty Spice up to? Who? Sporty fucking Spice, what's she up to? I don't know. And baby, not even page six of the Daily Mail. You see, when they're apart, they're absolute fucking rubbish. But you put them together, they're the goddamn fucking spice guns. The point is, we need each other. We're fucking dead in the woman. Jesus, he gives the worst pep talks. He really, really does. <laughs> Weaponized, baby. We're the seven. Earth's most mighty, motherfucker. Please, 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 no, please. Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. I already know that we're going to have to fucking get a, we're going to get a copyright strike on that. Dude, the Spice Girls pep talk and the fucking laser baby eyes. I'm in. I'm in too. I'm fucking in. Uh, Weaponized baby. So it's supposed to start um, on uh, July 26th on Amazon Prime. So hell yeah, I'm going to watch that shit. Um, the uh, Doctor Sleep trailer just came out of fucking nowhere. Uh, I, I I didn't even know it was being announced or anything. I don't even want to watch that again. Okay. But you saw it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. Right. Everybody else has seen it. Yeah, see, I think I've seen it three times. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, it, it. I like the fact that it shows, um, you know, clips from the original Shining in there, and uh, and you know, I do. I, we're, you know, we're gonna see it. So I, I'm wondering if um, I should get the. I, I probably should read the book though before we go see it because I've read the original Shining, and I love the Kubrick movie. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, maybe I'll do. It. I already read the whole synopsis on um, Wikipedia a few months ago though, so I already know like. The gist of the movie, of the, the of the story. It's Danny Torrance. Yeah. All right. So, um, this one, holy shit! I came across this one today. It's called Ready or Not, and it, there's a red band trailer for it. It, it oh, holy shit! <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, the top one. Oh, it's a horror movie. Great. Good luck. that in half an hour I will be a part of the Ladomas Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion, we prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your band. <laughs> There's just one more thing, and then you are officially part of the family. So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? 
Hide and seek? Are we really gonna play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? And stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. What is this? How old is this thing? I know you're in here. Oh, Jesus. You shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? <laughs> Holy shit! I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. I'm in. Yeah. My only my only problem is I hope they didn't show the whole fucking movie in that trailer. Oh, they did, but who cares? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd enjoy that one. You got to love dark humor, right? Yeah. Um, and then the the last one was uh, the Banana Splits. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, Ready or Not comes out on August 23rd. So we got something to see in August, thank God, because August was looking pretty grim. Yeah. So. <sighs> I may have to boycott this one. I understand. We are going to the banana splits. Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, <laughs> laughing and singing. Who's excited <laughs> to see the banana splits? Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hi, kids. Put on your ha happiest faces because the Banana Split Show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Making up a The show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fuzzy son of a... I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. We're gonna have so much fun. <laughs> Coming out on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, later this year. They, they haven't released a date for it. And then yeah. uh, right after it appears on Sci-Fi, they're going to have it on uh, disc and uh, digital. Um, to me, I mean, look, it, it's a cool idea. 
to do something like that. I mean, that's out of left fucking field, but I, I, I see it as them jumping ahead of the um, Five Nights at Freddy's movie that they're going to make. Like, oh, fuck, we got to, you know, let's make money off this before that comes out. That's what it seems like to me. How long has the Five Nights at Freddy movie been in production? Um, years. A couple of years now. So fuck them. I, I, I'm not hating on this. I'm not hating on this at all. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Like I said, it, it, it's out of left fucking field, man. It's, it's you know, I'll, I'll watch it if it's available, you know, because I don't have sci-fi channel. I don't have cable. So, but uh, I'll, I'll check it out when it's available on, on whatever. <laughs> so, all right. Um, that's all I got, unless you got something else to add to this. No, I was looking something up, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> was it banana splits related? Yeah, and I forgot what I was doing. Yeah. All right. Um, you'll Hold think on. of it while I'm, while I'm saying my goodbyes. Um, all right. So the next film that we will be talking about on the show will be uh, Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, mm. we'll let you know if that's a worthwhile uh, sequel okay. or not. I've been staying away from reviews for it because I don't want to know. Yep. I haven't, haven't seen any reviews, actually. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I want to go into it fresh. So we'll let you know. All right? All right. All right. Peace out. Goodbye. Forever Jacques, all that good shit.